Hi Nandini, thank you for uh, agreeing to join the uh, podcast by Change Mantras, All to Grow. Thank you very much for having me, it's a pleasure. So to all the people who are listening to this, my guest today is Nandini Sen Mehra, the very talented and very, very honest poet that I have met over the last six months. I think one of my gifts in the lockdown has been to meet Nandini's work. Nandini Sen Mehra is a poet and a writer who's based in Singapore. She's born in Kolkata. She lived in many cities across India before she moved to the United States in 2005. She's predominantly worked in the communication sector in her professional life. Now that her love for words and meanings now has been channelized into a publication of her own debut book of poetry called Worlds Within. Uh, It's a fantastic book. It's available on Amazon. In Singapore, she's been there for the last 10 years. Nandini writes almost every day on a range of subjects that interest her um, from the personal to the political and everything in between. Hi, Nandini. I would like to start with knowing a little bit about you. You know, as a communication specialist, as a dreamer, as a person who has a vision for another kind of a world, a mother of your children, a writer with very strong convictions, and you're pulled towards dialogue spaces. So I'm curious to know about your stances on change, transformations, leadership in today's world. You know, from an advertising professional in various countries to a writer, to a poet who writes about the world outside, the world within, the many roles that you've adopted and adapted to. So how has this journey been for you? It's something that I would like to start with. Thank you so much. I think that's a great question to begin with. So I can talk a little bit about background influences and, you know, everything that's made me who I am today. As you said, I was born in India. I've lived in India for more than 20 years before moving out and uh, then lived across different countries. And what I think that has afforded me is a perspective into lives that could be centuries apart, you know, in the same world. So I think where that has brought me is that it's brought me curiosity because where I grew up was very different from where I am now. The people, the experiences that I've had have also been so very diverse. Uh, My father being in the army, we lived in Kashmir, we lived in Himachal, I've lived in Kanpur. In a very impressionable time of my life, from being in a very sheltered sort of an army space, in Kanpur there was an opportunity where we lived in a, a civil area and then I interacted with many people in that environment and I think it shaped me more than I realized you know over the years and I think this if you talk about a journey I think I'm at a stage in my life where a lot of things that I didn't consider as strong influences have sort of resurfaced you know and I see how deeply they impact me and how deeply connected they are to my worldview in terms of influences Kolkata had such a big influence, right? Culturally, of course. Then the kind of home I came from, where every wall was lined with books. And as is in many Kolkata homes, you know, you have all the Russian masters. And then, of course, you have the Bengali masters. And then I grew up around books and literature and learning and music and dance and all of that. But I also lived in UP. Right, where I saw a different kind of culture, a different kind of social setup, a different kind of role for women in society, a different kind of 
man, a different kind of male identity. I saw gender play out in different ways, which at that time, when I'm 10 or 12 years old, I don't realize it, but now I do realize that how much of it translates into a sort of internalized awareness and internalized yeah. acceptance of where gender stands, the roles of a woman versus the roles of a man. It's like consciously, I may believe certain things. If I read about certain things, that's what I know and I believe. But the impressions and experiences shape your psyche, perhaps in ways that you don't quite imagine. So there's quite a bit of unlearning as well that I think is part of my journey. Moving on from India, I went to the US and that was my first foray out of India. And I had gone with sort of unfortunately, and I'm not very proud to say this, but with the stereotype of the ugly American, right? Insular, doesn't know about the world, doesn't have a passport, hasn't traveled anywhere, all of that. But I have to say that I experienced people, I experienced stories, I experienced a welcoming curiosity in the people I met there. And I think it shifted something inside me, which made me realize that sometimes the most strongly held beliefs are also on very thin ice, you know. And once you meet someone face to face, the power of that, I think you cannot undermine the power of knowing people, knowing their stories and actually experiencing cultures that are different from yours. But you said, you know, a little while earlier about unlearning. When you experience something, you, you know, you have a certain impression about certain things or certain people. And like you're saying, you hear their stories and then the unlearning begins. Yes, because you humanize them. You know, they're not a stereotype. They're not, you know, just a race or a, a community. You, you know them as people. And the more you know people as people, you see sort of the similarities, I think, rise more to the surface than the differences, as cliched as it may sound. For me, it's based on my own experience. So I think, yes, what my journey has been, I would say, has been able to hold diverse opinions, diverse viewpoints, you know, without necessarily have to strongly hold on to any one of them and have sort of a healthy respect for how little I know and how much there is to know through people, through books, through experiences. So how does it manifest in in your relationships, whether personal, professional, social, when you're not able to reconcile reconcile this with, yes, reconcile it with somebody you really respect or love? I think in recent times, I think all of us have felt the pain, the disappointment sometimes no, yes. of, of people you love and respect. And then you see how contrary some of their basic beliefs about human beings, about, about culture, about religion, all of that is. So for me now, something very dangerous, I think, has happened in recent times, which is that all my relationships somehow have morphed into relationships of love. So now okay. if there is no love, there is no relationship. So in a way, there is the personal, which is my world, which is my inner circle, which is people who who I care about on a personal level. And all of those relationships have survived because there is a a match somewhere in values. There is is some sort of a connection. And as, as I have approached relationships from that point of view, it just seems that if I have a relationship with you, it is a relationship of love. You know, and if, if there isn't 
love, if I don't feel respect, if I don't feel a connection, then it's more of like you are part of my outer world that influences me, that I, that I try to understand, I seek to understand, I seek to engage with, but I don't necessarily let in. And I think that separation between the personal and uh, the environment has sort of kept me a little bit more sane, I think, in these times. Because it's not about closing doors. I think it's about always keeping an open mind and keeping an open heart. But again, who you let in into your world, this extends beyond friends, actually. This extends to social media. This extends to what we consume. Oh. What I don't feel adds value to my life, I don't engage with. So whether it's, you know, endlessly watching television debates of people, both sets of people who yeah. I don't resonate yeah. with. Yeah. Or endlessly yeah. listening to um, to gossip, or endlessly listening to someone talk about negative things in their life, which you know I'm not in a in a position to either influence or help. So it's basically about setting certain boundaries to keep my peace of mind. Yeah, yeah. But I agree with you that there is a very human uh, sense of dejection, of disappointment. I mean, the walls are getting drawn so high. Yes. And so, you know, uh, impenetrable between people that it is, it is something that is, uh, that is part of my life as well. There are people who I've held very dear, oh. who now I look at with different eyes. But, you know, I, I suppose my way of, um, of staying true to myself is maybe just respecting them as people, keeping them where they are, trying to understand their point of view but keeping my circle close and tight. I mean, it's a great way, I think, to keep sanity. Like you said earlier, just like the walls are becoming impenetrable, I also feel it's the walls are actually thinning down in, in a way because it's coming closer home. It is, isn't it? <laughs> what is the point of absolute, whether we are talking about biryani or whether we are talking about a precedent? There are a couple of things. One is, of course, I cannot take on the burdens of the world, right? Yeah. I cannot take yeah. on everything. That's one. Mm. The second thing is, what can I do then? I can embody what I would like to see, right? I would like to see a certain resilience as well. I would like to see a certain strength, right? I would like to see people acknowledge their fear, understand it exists, not bypass it, right? You don't bypass it. You don't pretend it's not there. You acknowledge it. But you strengthen yourself, don't you? You strengthen yourself because that's what we need. We need strong people. We need people who will not give in to, to even a popular sort of a sentiment if it doesn't resonate with the deepest part of you. That's what you need. And how, what kind of example would I set then for my children, for people who read me, if I were to say, I'm afraid, and that's the end of it, right? So for me, yes, there are moments I'm afraid. There are moments I'm hopeful. There are moments I'm joyous. There are moments I don't care. There are moments I care so much, right? There are moments when I'm in, in nature, I want to forget about human beings. You know, a flower on the street is more interesting than what's happening in the world of humans, right? But then you come back to the world of humans and I still see beauty in there. I still see hope. I still see terrible things that annoy me and frustrate me and alarm me. But it's all of that. It's, it's all of it together. 
But yes, I mean, if you are a sensitive person, if you're a thinking person, these are times that can trigger, you know, a lot of responses, a lot of emotional responses. So there's a teacher called Nitya Shanti, who I'm also working with on various things. Perhaps there'll be a book at some point. And some of the things that he talks about really resonate with me, where he says, you know, all the practices that we do, for instance, whether you meditate, whether you pray, whether you go to the temple or whatever you do for your sort of religious slash spiritual life, all of that is preparation. The practice is in your real life. So it's like, you know, someone goes to a spiritual teacher and says, you know, I practiced for so many hours and I did this and I did that and I fasted and I lit a lamp and I, and I prayed. And he says, yeah, but how are you getting along with your mother-in-law? Do you know, like, so, so <laughs> if, you, if you want to map your spiritual progress, just spend a weekend with your family. <laughs> so in, in a way, you're saying that actually all the uh, change and the transformation and all that we're looking for through uh, various forms and uh, processes, you're saying, finally, draw it to practice in your daily life that living room you're talking about when you're sitting with that uncle with the most horrendous views and you want to throw the jalebi on his head or whatever it is you know that's that's where that's where the practice is so it's fun if you look at it a little bit like you know you didn't create all of this right you didn't personally create all of this perhaps if you're talking from a point of privilege you are privileged in many ways uh, there is another uh, person who I like to read uh, called Yogesh Parmar. He's another uh, really interesting thinker and, and writer. And he says, you know, you can talk about privilege, uh, but there's not much you can do about the privilege you've arrived with. What you can do from here on is talk about entitlement. Mm-hmm. Right? You can watch your entitlement. Privilege is something that has brought you till today, till this point. What you can be watchful of, what you can affect change in, is your sense of entitlement. So perhaps even that entitlement that my world should be perfect. There should not be people I don't like in my world. The world should run the way I want it to run. All of that maybe comes from a sense of entitlement. And when you walk in, walk, walk in nature, or you look at a tree and you look at every leaf looks a different shape and size and color and you know all of that. You sort of process that and say, then why should my world just be full of clones who look like me, think like me, agree with me all the time? So it's again, it's part of this whole discussion we began with, which is being able to hold um, multiplicity without sort of selling yourself short in any way. Um, so I want to uh, ask you a little bit about change and um, transformation and how do you see uh, through your work through the way you practice I like that yes. the, uh, <laughs> preparation and practice the yes. preparation <laughs> and practice so um, in, in recent times what would you say has been uh, the biggest change in your practice and preparation that you are consciously or uh, you know uh, you're consciously doing, you're focusing on, and you would like to influence people around you uh, towards that. Is there, how do you see change and transformation uh, now as uh, somebody who 
who lots of young people follow, lots of people read you. So, what would Nandini sure. sense it would? Sure, I'll tell you something that's happened recently. I won't say it's something that I've been conscious of through my life, but it's sort of risen in my awareness in the last perhaps year and a half, which is of a daily practice of letting go. I know we've gone quite deep very quickly, but uh, basically, you know, through the day we accumulate a lot of, I accumulate a lot of thoughts, a lot of uh, opinions, a lot of um, emotions, right? And you build it up. It's all inside you. Yeah. And then for me, yeah. what has really helped me in terms of change and transformation is that try to begin each day as new as you can, right? So if you've, if, you've had, uh, if you've had a rough day, if I've had a rough day, if I've had a sort of an argumentative day, if, uh, if, I've, had, if I've read things that have disturbed me, if I've watched things that have disturbed me, as a daily practice, when I, when I go to bed, I like to take five minutes to sort of just say, I'm letting all of this rest in today. What I'm going to take into tomorrow is, uh, is love, is, is curiosity, is a fresh mind and heart. And try to sort of stay, stay youthful in your, in your head, in your space. And I think that has tremendously help, helped me because I do. And this is a learning I have had from very clever, very intelligent people who I have followed. And sometimes I've found that they hold on to things so tightly. They hold on to opinions and, and you know, political affiliations and, and uh, philosophies. All of that so tightly that it sort of makes them so inflexible hmm. and so stressed out and so uh, strident about their way being the only way and the only way to look at things and all of that. And I don't see it quite as useful because I find what it does is it alienates the people that you do want to draw in. Hmm. It stops conversation. It creates walls around your own thinking. And neither does your thinking then reach the people you want to reach, nor does any new idea have a chance to enter because your walls are made, your house is set. And there you are in your ivory tower, believing everything that you've read and learned. And that's it. So that's, that's one process that I like, that I find helps me write as well. Because for me to be able to write, if I'm carrying on baggage day to day to day, I feel like somewhere, you know, it's not fresh, it's not real, it's not new. I'll just be saying the same thing in different ways. Have you felt this in the last few months? Or have you, this kind of a change, like, is something new? In the last two years or so, I think, when, for me, the, the whole journey has been, I think, a journey of awakening, you know, to certain things, to myself, to my, uh, to my shadows, to my darkness to other people's shadow and darkness, to, to my potential, to my exploration through my writing in people. So it's been a, a bit more introspective sort of last couple of years where I have found certain practices to be useful and I've yeah. tested them. And then I've seen how that works for me in terms of my writing, how it influences me and how I can create space in my head and heart to be able to write about new things. So to do a little bit of a spring clean as and when, it doesn't have to be daily, but I think it just comes from uh, trying to be a little bit more aware.
and so and that's this something was, this would be difficult at some at some point in your life you would find doing this difficult but then you i mean what i'm trying to understand is this was a change that you you're saying that you uh, you know very mindfully started practicing yes i did i did realize that whether it came to uh, things like race or feminism or disparity or political stances i felt the walls getting really you know watertight in me i felt i was i was aligning with people who held very strong views which were very black and white and it worked for them and perhaps like we have spoken before like when you're out in the field when you're working on a particular operational situation right at that point you need to probably be very black and white because you're going in there to get a job done what i'm doing as a writer is i'm trying to hold space for multiplicity so the the intent and the intention that i come with is different and my goal is different so to see what what works for me i it's not that i recommend it for anybody else but this is what worked for me so what is this goal nandini sen man <laughs> i am very interested to understand what is this dream the dream for me right now is to be naked to just go deeper and deeper and deeper and unravel let it all fall away let it all fall away let everything that has served me fall away let there be space let there be infinite space for new things let there be infinite space for people let there be infinite space for new understanding that is really the goal it's the goal again it's a cliche but really the goal is to journey in a way that is light that is held lightly that is curious open childlike and inclusive wow cheers to your dream aapka karwa badhta jaye how would that be in english nandini caravan no, okay. i hope your caravan yeah. <laughs> i hope your caravan increases the worlds within unfold more and we get to really more hear you more and more people join you in this dream because i think this is the need of the hour i wanted to understand a little more about when you say these it sounds you know you, you speak like a writer you speak like a dreamer and it's beautiful to hear i wanted to also understand this is a call to grow if you were as a um, a call to grow to young people if i were to leave a message for the youth today and the reason i'm asking this is because i think like you said the hope and the change lies there you know you've spoke so beautifully about how in your childhood certain things happened and that time you didn't know how it would shape you and today we you see the connect yeah how it shaped gender roles at the age of 12 when you saw a man in up or his role in vis-a-vis -vis a role of a man in kolkata or a chennai or whatever if i were to ask you what would you say to the 15 year old today what should be the call to grow when young people ask writers and when young people ask poets and influencers like you so what, what should i be where should i go what should i do to make it all a little more meaningful that's a big question right i'm the mother of an 11 year old so i grapple with these questions in a very very personal and intimate space as well and uh, where i am now where i see the value of being of being your truest self is so very hard to do when you're 15 
when you have so many influencers when you have peer pressure when you when you're looking at things when you're looking at a at a magazine when you're looking at tv you're looking at instagram you're looking at these yes. shiny lights you know and and you may not necessarily know what is behind those shiny lights or what has brought people success whether material or spiritual where success lies what is your definition of success so i have conversations with my 11 year old around these quite frequently and i know you said 15 but i'll start at yeah, 11 yeah, please, absolutely yeah, yeah that's yeah so when when we talk about what would you like to be we have sort of had more questions around what is it that in the world you see that you would like to change right or what is it that upsets you that you see in the world what is it that makes you happy what is the life that you have that you wish every child had what are the things you take for granted right so these are the questions i think if you think about when you're young and if you have teachers and if you have role models and you have parents and you know who sort of facilitate these kind of questions rather than beta engineer banoge doctor oh, banoge oh. you know kya karoge paisa kamaoge you know all of those conversations are as real i'm i'm not at all negating the value of money i'm not at all saying you know that um financial stability doesn't play a role because i do believe that there are certain uh there are certain things that come from having a you know a level of comfort in your life not having to not having to worry about your next meal not having to worry about whether you can take care of your older parents you know so there's a certain yes. growth that comes when you have been able to take care of your physical needs and perhaps even your physical comforts right but the bigger questions i think for young people i would say if you are young and you're thinking about the world one of the first things is it how do you make space for thinking about the world how do you get your face out of your phone how do you get your mind away from instagram or video games and all of that so first of all i would say make that space because you're investing in yourself you know no one else will you have to invest in yourself so make that space to think about things and it's it's so joyous because there is so much to do there's no lack of things to do to help there's no lack of problems in the world but there's no lack of opportunity either and the generations now are so blessed to have technology to yes. have you know connectivity to be able to speak to someone in brazil to be able yeah. to speak to someone sitting in alaska talk to young people more and more around you and i would say you know hold the values of the generation past lightly because we don't know everything we are a generation that are a cusp between a very traditional sort of a mindset yes. and a younger generation who already have sort of gone beyond yes. what we could even expect in our lifetime absolutely right? absolutely so hold the things we tell you lightly discover your own values discover your own being discover the things that you know you would like to see you would like other people to be like look at that rather than you know look at just the, the glamour and the gloss and all of that so i think making space being introspective thinking about what change you would like to see in the world i would say if you're a young person these are great questions to start with and talk to your friends you know talk to your friends about these questions yeah. don't be afraid to lead with these kind of questions rather than you know just about which video game you know or which girl or which boy or you know all of those things are there and they're part of growing up but if very early in life if you can sort of 
situate yourself as part of a community of people mm. who are here to change things you'll have lots of fun along the way you'll find meaning in your life it'll just emerge you don't have to go looking for it but this will also cause some disruption in the uh, yes. you know from the regular run of the mill conversations so how do we deal with how do you deal with that when you when you do this uh, personally in your practice or when you are you know dealing with your 11 year old sure. uh, when these conversations are rather than asking about a video game talking about you know things like this yeah. when it disrupts uh, you know comfortable conversations how do you deal with that gentle but firm <laughs> okay and let's have an example from nandini about the last time you were able to do this a disruption with gentleness that's lovely actually nandini that's your change mantra i think disruption i do with think you, you know you can get further i think with uh, young people or with anyone actually you know with with uh, gentleness rather than okay i won't give you an example from now but if i can go back many years yeah and i can give you an example of uh, of gentleness in terms of changing minds yeah so and this was in disruption disruption in thinking yeah ah, ah. it may be a bit triggering but anyway we'll go there yeah <laughs> um, this is in delhi and i was in a guest house i was there for work and i was in a guest house and there was a watchman there who was you know on his duty for the night and for some reason i could not sleep okay. so i went down and i sat with him and he was maybe like 50 years old and we sat on the steps outside the building he was smoking a beer and i was having a chai and we were having a conversation he was telling me about his village and all of that and he was telling me about how the water is only for the higher castes and he was a higher caste person and then the ones that they considered lower caste people would have to walk some 25 kilometers for water right and he was just telling me that in a very matter of fact way okay that aisa hi hai rivaz hai you know hamare yahan aisa hi hota hai for me it was just hearing someone say that so blatantly right like when you live in urban situations sure. yes you yeah. experience yeah. things like your household will not be allowed to use the same cup as the rest of the family all of those things you experience and they're very triggering and as young people like you know you challenge it and you sort of break through that and you fight with your mother whatever it is but to see something so embedded was very triggering for me but instead of you know going very aggressively against it and talking very aggressively we literally i think spoke the whole night about this situation and just breaking it down gently in terms of human beings and you know how all of this is not something that has come from divinity and it's is created by human beings and just talking about oppression and talking about the things that you know theoretically we know but practically to be able to talk to someone who's a watchman in a wow. building in delhi wow. with such entrenched strongly held ideas it was a huge learning for me about the power of gentleness because by the end of it this man literally had tears in his eyes and he said ki hamari dua jaake khul gayi and the thing is like you know it's not that i told him something he didn't know within you know it sometimes it's things that you don't acknowledge or you just accept right and when i could see that sort of recognition in his eyes that he understood it now whether he went back and did anything with it 
is a different story. But there's a first step. There's a first step of breaking through. And I yeah. think that breaking through, through conversation, through gentleness, through listening, through participating, I think that was a learning that sort of helped me in many ways through my professional life, whether it was irate clients breathing down, you know, asking for things or issues with children or domestic things. I think that lesson that I learned that day has stayed with me. If I would sum it all up, self journeys, no absolutes, holding multiplicity, disrupting with gentleness, having faith in one's resilience. All of these are your beads of change and influencing <laughs> and leadership that I get from your conversations, Randini. I'm just thinking with all of these things, where do you put your anger or the rage? Part of the living room, does that go into <laughs> all of that? I don't know. It's not that I don't feel rage. I, I'm trying to think about things that make me really angry, right? Yeah. Things, of course, make me really angry. But I think the way I process it is through writing about things. But the way I write about things perhaps isn't a copy-paste of that anger. It yeah. goes through some change some inside journey. me. Yeah. Some churning. Yeah. And uh, it also sometimes I think I think like a communicator. So I think about which way would would sort of deliver a message without it alienating people and actually get through the people who I want, who I would like to consider a different point of view. Right? So for instance, if someone is very stridently right wing, mm. right, which would be the polar opposite of say where my political leanings lie. Right? Yeah. And I have friends, I have friends who are stridently right wing, stridently anti-Muslim, stridently for Hindutva. Right? Mm. And all of these things are very affronting to me because coming from a culture which is much more inclusive with all of that, it's just part of my DNA to not think like that, but I come across them. If I were to write saying, you know, you're a bunch of hypocrites, you're a bunch of this, you, you're name calling them and saying, you know, you guys should go to the depths of hell because of the way you, I don't see the point of it. Apart from, you know how you say in Bangla, like Gai Jala <laughs> Barkara, you, you just take out your own anger and frustration. But is it effective in any way? Or is it like you're just talking to your echo chamber who will all agree with you? Yeah. And then what? then what? Then what? But if I were to say that I can see that this kind of thinking has seeds in fear. Where does this fear come from? What are you afraid of? What are you holding so tightly to? Is faith so weak that it can be challenged by someone else practicing something completely different from you? Why can't we all sit together? You know? So all of those things, so if you don't engage putting that rage and that anger through something that, that can communicate more effectively, what's the point? It's easy enough to rage, isn't it? I wanted to read this poem that, that talks about a journey where you can go from brokenness to healing in one lifetime and within yourself. If you have come from brokenness, you already know what it takes to keep someone safe. If you have witnessed 
lives torn apart by love by hate by debt by greed by fate you already know what it takes to mend the frayed corners of a heart that has been spent if you have hurt someone because you could because you wanted to because they hurt you or they could have you already have seen your shadows faced your own darkness and you will understand it when you see it in another if you have lost something everything and been left holding an enormous emptiness and unpacifiable rage your knees close to your chest eyes emptied of tears you already know what it means to have to love a person a purpose a life and how fragile it is how fragile it all is how one ill wind can mean lives tossed about without a moment to gather your things or say your goodbyes if you have lived full well in the middle of your own life you already know more than you imagine you have more to offer more than you imagine you already know what it takes to heal so won't you offer it to the world and to your own self it just shows that it's already all there it's just a matter of awakening and getting in touch with one's drivers and one's triggers that's what as we learned from you today nandini that what led to change transformation and influencing and growing in you and that's what you wish for all your uh, readers people who come in touch with you people who engage with you people who hear you nandini thank you so so much for this beautiful conversation it was gentle it was triggering <laughs> it was political it was personal it was resilient and it was also disrupting in some ways i just want to thank you for your faith thank you so much for having me